A vegan superhero is a new breed of athlete. Stronger, healthier, and driven by purpose. Vegan superheroes wage war against society's status quo and win. Vegan superheroes battle the forces of evil that profit from the suffering of others. Vegan superheroes take a stand for what they believe in and prove the haters wrong. If you ask the meatheads and clueless fitness gurus, they'll tell you that what we're doing is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. Vegan superheroes inspire change, spread compassion, challenge the status quo, and fuel the revolution. Our mission is to help you become a vegan superhero. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Leigh Farneson, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. We have one of the coaches from our team, Sawyer Hoffman. What up, what up? Thanks Welcome for having to the me. Podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here and excited to talk about this topic today. Yeah, awesome. So I'd love to start by just having you tell us a little bit about your journey to veganism and becoming a vegan fitness coach and kind of how that's all transpired. Sure. Yeah, sure. So fitness came first for me. Um, I was benching a you know, broomstick at the age of five, watching my dad and my cousin work out in the garage. So I was, I was in it from the get-go. I think I was always going to be uh, somebody who exercised regularly and, and lifted weights. But um, the veganism didn't come until uh, much later, grad school, actually. So I was in law school. I just gone through a, a really hard breakup, and it forced me to look internally at a lot of things that I was doing. And it happened upon vegan info at the same time. So it was like kind of perfect timing for me and um, ended up repairing the relationship and reprioritizing like what what I found it was important. And it helped me become a better person, honestly. So I'm really grateful for that time. But uh, it wasn't fun yeah. <laughs> to put it to put it shortly. Um, but yeah, so that was it for me. Like I was always I was super into fitness, very motivated, self-driven about that stuff. And then the veganism came later and it really hit home for me as I realized, oh, it's not all about just looking amazing and, you know, performing great. It's also about the impact you have on others and how you how you're going to be perceived and how living true to your values. Yeah. So I know that you got into personal training first and you're doing in-person personal training and then you yeah. joined our team. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about how all of that can yeah. happen? Well, I, I've basically been training people since high school, um, kind of on the side. Like I mentioned, I went to grad school and I did that whole path. I went to law school and um, passed the bar and all that stuff. But but once I, I finally was actually a lawyer and I did it, I was going crazy. I hated it. And the only thing that, that made any sense to me and the thing that, that was still there on the side was training people and helping people get more fit. It always felt like fun. It never felt like extra work. I was just like, yeah, cool, let's do it. But I was always told, oh, you can't make enough money doing that. You, you know, that's not a career path for you. you. You're super smart. Go be a lawyer, you know, like your dad. Because my dad's a lawyer too. Um, and I did it. And then I was like miserable. And I was like, okay, this, this can't work. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, I, I went and got a job as a personal trainer. And I loved it. Um, didn't make a ton of money, but I was like, this is, you know what? I don't need that much. I'm just going to figure it out. It gave me the confidence to know that I could do this full time and, and figure it out. Um, and that I loved it. Most importantly, I, I've like, I had people tell me that I saved their lives, which was like, that kind of hit me hard. I was like, Whoa, really? Like didn't expect that. So that, that was powerful for me. And then, um, I moved on to the vegan gym, which has been awesome because I get to work from any, anywhere. I get to work with people all over the world. Um, I work with an awesome team of, of other coaches and, and under you who are like just super great. Um, I feel like I'm learning all the time and I'm constantly being challenged, but also encouraged. 
to do more and do better um, at what I'm already, I feel like I'm already pretty good at. So it's pretty, pretty good environment to be in for me. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And I totally love the team that we have. I just think it's, we have such an awesome dynamic and Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see all those different strengths that we each have and can kind of contribute. Yeah. So when you first began your fitness journey, what was kind of your main goal that you were trying to accomplish? Oh man, it's always been about building muscle for me. That's that's like goal number one. And it's still hard to get me to do anything that's not like an immediate like, yeah, this is going to help with your muscle building. Because I'm like, you know, mobility and stuff. I'm like, oh man, I don't love that, but I'll still do it. Um, but the muscle building is, has always been like a super drive for me. And the reason for that is because I was a skinny kid growing up, very small, people noticed and I made comments. And so I... I realized that and it made me want to change it really badly. So that was always my my main goal and something I really prioritized. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. When I first got started, I I was really inspired by Daniel Craig's physique in Casino mm. Royale. Oh, really? When he's walking out of the water <laughs> at the at the beach. I actually remember watching that movie in middle school and the girls being like, "Oh my gosh, what a body!" And I was like, "I could do that too." And I yeah. was like sitting there like damn, I want that. So yeah, there was a hundred million experiences like that where I was like, I want that so bad. So did you have like a vision of the physique that you wanted or an idea of like what kind of goals you wanted to accomplish from a number perspective? It was hard for me to, to, especially at the beginning, to know what was possible for me. So it was like, you know, you never know who's on performance enhancing drugs. You never know who's just got amazing genetics, you know, whatever. So I was like, I didn't know, um, but I did know that like the things that appealed to me the most at, at, when I first started was like physique competitors, you know, those, they they looked amazing to me, but I was also like, you know, and then there's a bunch of fake natties in the industry. So that was confusing. So that, that threw me off quite a bit, actually. I feel like I spent the large, the most majority of my fitness journey, just really with a lot of self-loathing, a lot of body image issues, um, because I was comparing myself to these people because I thought that's where I was supposed to be. Uh, you know, three, four, five years into training or whatever, especially. So, yeah. Yeah. So how have your goals kind of shifted over the last 15 years since you got started in fitness? Okay. Um, so, well, like I said, at the beginning, it was all about building muscle. It was all about getting as big and as lean as I possibly could at the same time. And it's still kind of like that, but I have a much more realistic vision of what's possible for me now that I've been doing it for longer and I've learned the science behind, okay, how do you make physiological changes and what's realistic for someone who's not on drugs and somebody who's got a life also. (laughs) Like it's not just drugs. It's also like certain people just dedicate their entire lives to their physique. And I realized during that breakup, especially that that wasn't going to be me. That wasn't something that was providing all my joy you know what I mean? It was it was the relationships that I had. So I put during that difficult time, I put my relationships over my physique, but it's still there. It's just not as like, I don't know. It's not as toxic, I guess you could say, um, which I is think it's, it's really important to be able to find that balance yeah. and understand what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if your goal is not to become a physique competitor and step mm-hmm. on stage and compete in bodybuilding, mm-hmm. then yeah, you might not have fitness uh, at the same priority level mm. as someone who's competing, but that doesn't mean you still can't get super fit, love the way you look and how you feel. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And I think really what it comes down to is that my desire to get as big as possible and, and focus on fitness so much was coming from a place of insecurity and it was coming from a place that I felt like I wasn't worthy of 
love or attention or whatever I was seeking with that, that physique goal until I got as big as I wanted to be. And then I realized like, oh wait, I have this, this woman who is like, loves me, who uh, doesn't need me to be the biggest, most lean, most ripped for, to be attracted to me. Uh, you know, I have all these, these awesome people in my life, not because I'm, you know, a crazy, have a crazy physique, um, but because I'm a good person. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize that now. Um, and it was a really big paradigm shift for me and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, that's important. I also made a similar shift and realized that, yeah. Hey, my fitness journey is for me. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is my, yeah. my journey to increasing mental toughness, to mm-hmm. becoming more confident, to just feeling more capable about the things that I can accomplish. And for me, that was really pivotal mm-hmm. in, self-development yeah because because otherwise you're just seeking to please everybody else and it's like some people are gonna be like oh he's too big or some people are gonna be like oh that guy's got no muscle or something you know what i mean like everybody's got different preferences and stuff like that and so if you're trying to to please or get attention um that's you know one route you can take but it's also not going to be as fulfilling as as showing up for yourself because you want it for yourself and then also being there for the people that you that matter to you um above going to the gym i would argue um, or at least at the same level. <laughs> yeah. So you've had, uh, so you jumped into training. You mm-hmm. had some pretty ambitious goals about mm-hmm. what you want to accomplish. I know you still have ambitious goals, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear from your perspective how you balance being ambitious with your goals mm-hmm. and really kind of pushing yourself to accomplish your next level yeah. with being realistic about your goals and also understanding that you have other priorities in your life. Yeah. No, that's it's honestly the the toughest part about fitness. I tell all my clients, I'm like, look, I'm going to teach you all the tools to change your body. The hardest part is going to be deciding what you want to do with it and then how you're going to schedule your life, like how you're going to prioritize your life around it. Because it's it's easy to think, well, I want to get bigger and I want to get stronger and faster and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's like when you realize the sacrifices it takes, especially the longer you're in it, the harder it is to build muscle and all that stuff, the more you realize, um, okay, there's, you got to have to just constantly have like a running cost and benefit analysis of what's going on. And so it's kind of a lot to manage, but at the same time, um, you kind of, I mean, I've noticed that I've chilled out a little bit more about it over the years where I'm not so like desperate to get to that stage. Cause like I said, it's not coming from a place of insecurity anymore. Um, it's just really for personal development and, and like, I'm excited to influence other people and, and bring them, you know, uh, closer to veganism and stuff like that. So that's, it, it's just different now, but, um, in terms of balancing, I think I really just have to have constant mental check-ins with myself where I'm like, have I been doing enough in this area or giving too much to this area or whatever, and kind of constantly trying to recalibrate. Um, but it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that setting realistic goals is really important to you. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that you really have conversations about with your clients. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe that setting realistic goals is so important to accomplishing your fitness goals and feeling really good about that journey? Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely is because like I, I mentioned in my journey, I was comparing myself to people who were on drugs, had been training for 10 plus years. I was never going to be big enough. I mean, I still wouldn't be, you know, by, by those metrics. So it was one of those things where I was still driven, but a lot of times people feel really demoralized by that and they won't do anything. But even when I was driven, I was doing too much. And so I was actually stuck in a lot of times, like I would get nagging injuries and stuff like that because... I was trying too hard to, to catch up. Um, so setting realistic expectations is really what helps people establish like, okay, I'm making good progress. They're feeling encouraged. Uh, 
Um, but they also have a realistic like endpoint where they're like, okay, I know that I'm not going to be able to put on muscle indefinitely, or I'm not going to be able to get faster indefinitely, but that's when I'm going to start focusing on more details. And that's where I'm going to start expanding my horizons a little bit and try new things. So I think it, it really does give you a healthier perspective of what you're going to be able to achieve, to achieve. And you're also going to be able to stay encouraged along the way because you're not going to be like, why am I not building more muscle? Like I thought I was supposed to be packing on 10, 20 pounds a year. Like, like it was nothing like some of these guys do, especially the fake natties. I think they do the worst in terms of mental, uh, you know, damage to me because I was like, this guy went from like so small to so big in like four years. Like, what am I doing wrong? And so it was very, <laughs> it was very uh, discouraging uh, when I didn't know that they were, weren't natural. Um, yeah. Could so. you briefly explain what fake yeah. natty means? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so a, a natty just means a natural uh, lifter. So somebody who's not on performance enhancing drugs and, um, and then a fake one would be somebody who says they're natural, but is actually on performance enhancing drugs. And that happens a lot in the fitness injury industry and the social media platforms that we yeah, it's really sad. I Sawyer and I both uh, have chosen to not take performance enhancing mm -hmm. drugs. It just doesn't align with our vision of health. Mm -hmm. But it is um, it's definitely something that heavily permeates the fitness industry. Yeah. And I personally, I do not think that uh, taking drugs in that way is healthy or something that people mm -hmm. should really be doing at all. But, uh, if you are doing that, at least mm -hmm. tell people you're doing that. Yeah. I, that's I honestly, the, that's when I have a problem. Yeah. I really don't have a personal problem. I don't think it's a moral issue at all. It's like your body, do whatever you want with it. But it, it, it does become more of an issue when you're not telling people and being forthcoming about that, because then you have young kids looking up to you and, and seeing like, Oh man, this guy looks amazing. He's and only you're, been training for five years or whatever. And you're setting yeah. unrealistic expectations yeah. and I was looking at this, I was reading bodybuilding.com. Yeah. I, I was reading the magazines yeah. and stuff when I first got started. And I was, I started my fitness journey at 130 pounds, mm -hmm. five feet, 11 inches tall. I was <laughs> super skinny and I was, I had a background in running, distance mm -hmm. running. And that mm -hmm. was where I was starting in my fitness journey. And I wanted to build more muscle, feel more confident. And I was looking at those guys and thinking, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. And it was so difficult uh, back then when I didn't really know mm -hmm. kind of what to be looking for that these guys were in fact just lying about this. Right. And, and it really messes with your head. Right. Because and then you think, oh, well, this guy just must be the most knowledgeable or he, or he just works the hardest. He works harder than everybody. Because that's like a common trope, right? Like if they're if these fake natties are asked in interviews like, hey, how do you do this? And they're just like, well, I just I work harder than anybody else. I'm, yeah. I'm a genetic freak. All this stuff, you know, they'll just come up with whatever they want. And so and you want to believe people because you're like, wow, I really look up to this person for how much dedication they have. But that doesn't mean they're 100% honest. And, um, and and in fact, their livelihood might be staked on that because sometimes these corporations don't want them to reveal that they're not natural. Um, so they just kind of skirt around the issue yeah. a lot of times. Oh, it's this company's protein powder. Yeah. That's what's so, giving me all these gains. Yeah, there's so many people on Instagram selling their supplements that's like BCAAs and stuff like that that they're probably not even using. Or if they are, it doesn't really matter that much because the thing that's making the big difference is the... The steroids exactly so so yeah everything that we're going to be talking about in this episode is going to be geared for natural lifters so natural lifters are just people who are not using performance enhancing drugs such as steroids so anyways yeah thanks for that little mm -hmm. kind of uh addition there sure um i love to hear what 
are kind of some common ways that you see people set themselves up to struggle in their fitness journey? Like what are some kind of roadblocks that people typically hit? Okay. There, there's three big ones that come to my mind and I've struggled with all three of them. So I can speak from personal experience that they're, they're really, really debilitating. Um, the first one is fixating on the scale and people and myself included at one point, will look at the scale day to day and say, why am I not heading the direction I want to be in? You know, if they're trying to lose weight and they see the scale fluctuate up a little bit, they like freak out and think, oh, I need to restrict further. And they, it basically encourages them to be really super aggressive with whatever strategy they're, they're taking. And the problem with that is it, you can do that for a while, and, but the cumulative effects of being super aggressive with a caloric restriction or training frequency and stuff like that intensity is that you're going to break yourself down more than you're able to recover from. And then you're just going to give up at a certain point. It's not about dedication. It's not about, you know, willpower and stuff like that. It's, it's really that your programming is just crap and it's going to, it's going to crush you in the end. I don't care how tough you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you're David Goggins, if you, if you run 24 hours a day, you will break down. Um, so sorry, David Goggins, if you're listening to this, <laughs> no shade, you're, you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah, when people take really aggressive, uh, strategies based on the fact that they're not moving in the direction that they want to see on the scale day to day, um, that can be a really big problem. Um, and we can talk about the solutions to that later, but that's, that's one. Um, then the other one is not keeping track of anything. So just kind of like doing things that they know are generally good, going to the gym, uh, you know, eating healthier foods, stuff like that, but not really having an idea of what they're currently doing and what they need to do to improve. So it doesn't need to be a lot either. I mean, uh, we'll talk about what I focus on with clients in, in a minute, I'm sure. But as far as like just doing things that you generally feel are healthy is not going to be enough to kind of know or be encouraged later on that it's working because you're not really keeping track of what am I actually accomplishing by doing this stuff. Otherwise, as soon as it gets uncomfortable, as soon as it feels not fun or inconvenient, you're going to be like, I can't really tell if it's making a difference anyway, so I'm just going to do whatever I'm doing. Um, and then the last thing is expecting too much from themselves. And it just like we were talking about with the fake natties or something like, but it, it also happens on the fat loss side too. They think, oh, I should be losing faster to this. And, it, and the same thing happens. They get too aggressive after that. Um, they think that fitness happens on a shorter timeline than it actually does. And that's that's one thing that I really try to educate people about is my knowledge of 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 how the body changes, of how body composition shifts over time, and how slow it really is. Um, but then having the the measures to track, like, hey, you're actually improving. Don't don't get down on yourself. Like you're doing a great job. Yeah, you know, awesome. So you talked a little bit about these three main pitfalls that you really see people struggling with. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience with those pitfalls, both personally and then also with clients mm -hmm. that you've worked with? Okay. Well, personally, I noticed that I was stepping on the scale every day at a certain point in my fitness journey. And if I wasn't, if I wasn't seeing it go up or go down, depending on what I was trying to do, um, I would think, oh my gosh, I need to rework everything. I need to replan. I need to, to reframe everything. And that was keeping me stuck because I would constantly flip flop in between goals and, and feeling like, oh, I'm too fat or, oh, I'm too flat, you know, too skinny. Um, so it was one of those things where it was causing me to second guess every single decision I made. Uh, and it ended up kind of paralyzing me. Um, even though I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to rework it. I'm going to figure it out this time. And I just would redo it again. And then I'd be like, oh, I haven't made progress in a while. So yeah, so it was, that was, that was, um, 
uh, not optimal. And then also with the, when I decided or at certain points in my journey where I didn't track anything, I found it was very demotivating. I felt like I didn't um, have much drive to go to the gym or, um, I mean, I would still go, but I just didn't feel like I was working towards anything. There wasn't anything in front of me that I was like trying to grab, you know? Um, so, so changing that really helped. But, um, and then lastly, I think the, uh, the big thing is the feeling of, of efficacy that you're having is dictated by the measures that you put ahead of you. So like setting progress goals and setting, making sure to stay away from things that were setting me off emotionally became a big part of things. And and that was like fixating on scale. So like for a lot of clients, for example, I don't even have them step on the scale. Um, because it can be like a, a triggering thing, but yeah, there's certain specific clients that, that come to mind who, um, like one, for instance, who was saying, Hey, I'm not losing any fat. What's going on? Like I'm, I'm the scale's not moving down. Um, in reality the whole time, and I'm glad we did this, we took progress pictures and his physique was changing the whole time. I mean, he just had this, this unique ability to build muscle faster than anybody else and at a lower calorie amount, I feel like. And so he was building muscle at this lower amount of calories, but he was just thinking, well, I need to lose weight. Uh, That's what I'm really here for. And then he made a joke at the end, like, oh, I only lost two pounds of, of fat or whatever, or I only lost two pounds. I want my money back. But if you look at his side by sides, he looks like a totally different person. So it was, it was really cool for him to like have that experience where even though he was fixated on the scale before he, I, I would hope now going forward, he doesn't really care that much because he knows that it's not that big of a deal. It just tells you energy balanced. It's just kind of a yeah. metric. I think mm-hmm. the scale is, it really doesn't show you what actually matters. Yeah. And at the end of the day, most people, if they're being honest with themselves, do not care at all how much <laughs> they weigh. Yeah, They care about how they feel and how they look. Mm-hmm. So neither of those is really that dictated by mm-hmm. what the scale says. And most people are choosing a look at a physique with some woman or some guy who has considerably more muscle mass than they do mm-hmm. and will actually likely require them to be gaining more body weight mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. pack on that muscle and to yeah. kind of have the more toned, sculpted, strong physique. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I think that people struggle with is not understanding that obsessing about the scale and wanting that number to be a certain number or Mm -hmm. to fall is not actually aligned with their main goals. Yeah. I think the problem is that a lot of people romanticize the past and the future and they think like, oh, when I was this way, I was way happier. And it's like, maybe, maybe not. You may be misremembering. But the most important thing is that it's, if it's not realistic for you now, like for whatever reason, you have a more sedentary job. You're not as active as you were when you were 16 or whatever. And you, I mean, that's, that's the other thing is like, we live in a world full of calories and it's like, if you plan on eating 1600 calories for the rest of your life, you're going to be really disappointed when you fall off every time. Cause it's just not really going to be likely that you're able to do that. And so that's, that's one thing I like to talk about too, with people is like, look, if you can, if you can get away from the fixation on the scale, you can start to focus on things that really matter more to you and you'll, you'll create a lot more momentum that way. 
Yeah, sustainability is really what everything comes down to. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you deprive yourself of calories consistently mm -hmm. uh, and even maybe in excess of the deficit that you need to mm -hmm. achieve kind of consistent fat loss at a sustainable rate, or if you're obsessing about the scale and need to see a certain number, none of these things are kind of sustainable and you're, mm -hmm. you're building in kind of the uh, kind of wrong mindset around mm -hmm. what health and fitness is truly all about. So mm -hmm. yeah, for people who fixate on the scale, who kind of have that first fall into mm -hmm. the first pitfall that you were talking about, what kind of mm -hmm. guidance do you generally give them? So what I do when somebody is really triggered by the scale and they just can't get away from the idea that like, if the scale is going up a little bit, you know, fluctuating at all and they freak out and they start to question everything we're doing and stuff. I'm like, okay, just let's just not do the scale. <laughs> let's focus on some other metrics of success. Um, and, but if I can keep the scale around, it is a helpful tool. So if it's not affecting them too much psychologically and they're like, okay, this, I feel weird about this, but I trust you. And then I'll be like, okay, let's keep that there. And then we create more metrics for them to focus on. So other things for them to gauge how well they're doing by, because by doing that, they're like, oh, I'm actually, I'm getting stronger. And that's something I never thought to think about before. And they start to notice like there are good things that come from that. So when you can give them something else to focus on rather than the scale, um, it can tend to be really, really powerful. And, and you can maybe just make it in addition to the scale too, because the scale can be a helpful thing. What's what are some other things that you really so, suggest? People yeah, focus on. that's a good question. So like, like strength is a big one. Um, I'd have them take progress photos as well so they can see differences in their physique, how they're starting to, you know, their body fat is starting to diminish while their muscle is starting to increase. And they're like, oh, I kind of like that shape or whatever. Um, there's a bunch of stuff, you know, if they're, if they're interested in endurance, if that's improving, we can have metrics for that. There's a whole lot of things. Um, and then, you know, and then filling out their macros, you know, those kinds of things are going to be really, really rewarding for them in the long run. And it's something that they can do you know, without depriving themselves or without taking those aggressive routes that they did in the past. Um, and that's really what I try to get them away from. I found that focusing more on my numbers in the gym, like strength mm -hmm. metrics mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, I increased my squat by five pounds this month. Like yeah. that, those kind of goals mm -hmm. really help me to take a, take the focus away from just like, um, overanalyzing my physique yeah. and all mm -hmm. the little details there. Right. And I can say, oh no, I'm making progress. And this is, you just, I also love how you feel really empowered mm -hmm. by accomplishing strength goals. Yeah. Like particularly, mm -hmm. that's particularly useful for people who struggle with maybe some body image issues or they have this idea of what their physique needs to look like or what kind of number they need to be seeing on the scale to be happy. Mm -hmm. If instead they can just separate themselves from those metrics and just focus on like, Hey, I just want to be more powerful. I just mm -hmm. want to be stronger. Yeah. That's a really awesome mental shift to see people make. Definitely. Definitely. And I've always related to like, and cause I'm a nerd, I like to have like gaming references. I'll be like, it's <laughs> like playing a game where you don't have any objective and you're just running around trying to like Either, either you have no objective or you're trying to do something that's really defeating all the time. Like you just feel like you do it and then you're like, okay, this kind of worked, but now I'm going back up and I feel crappy about it. If you have like a, a goal that you accomplish in the game and you're like, that was fun. I feel proud of myself for doing it. Then you're more encouraged to go do another one and do another quest or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it's a weird analogy, but it's something that sticks with me is like, it makes it more fun to go on that journey, on that progress. When you have things in front of you that you're like, 
willing, you know, that, that you're going to accomplish eventually and that you're excited to do. The other thing is like, if you set a strength goal for like 315 on bench, like for right from the get go, that's too big of a jump. Uh, instead focus on something that's a little scary to you, but you feel like is probably achievable within the next few months or so or whatever. It gets you motivated to go do it. And then it feels very fulfilling when you do it. And then you set another one. Yeah. Ahead of you. yeah. I love being right on that edge where it's like, oh, it's really going to push me. Yeah. But it's like just in the realm of possible yeah. for where I'm at right now. Yeah. And it's I think it's also really helpful to uh, maybe be setting those 10 year fitness goals, but yeah. also be setting those like 10 week fitness yeah. goals. Because if all you have is a 10 year fitness goal you're going to feel like things are going pretty slowly. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's like a, actually thinking about it now, it's like an undersold uh, aspect of, of why fitness buddies or like, you know, workout partner could be so helpful because if they're starting at the same place as you, you can be like, that can be a barometer for how strong you're getting and how, you know, where you should be. Cause like people tend to level up together because they're like pushing each other and you can be like, what's a realistic amount of growth for me? Well, this guy next to me is doing 135 on bench. I should be able to do that. Uh, you know, hopefully within the next few weeks here. And so you're just kind of constantly pushing yeah. each other. Just another benefit for our workout partners. Yeah. I really There's love a lot working of out benefits. with other people. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. So uh, you kind of already touched on this, but for people who don't focus on measurable goals, what kind of guidance do you give them? Yeah, same thing. You're just, you need to set something ahead of you that feels exciting. The other thing is, like I, I touched on a second ago, is get rid of the things that demoralize you. Like stop focusing on the scale. If it's every time you look at it or every time you get on, you're like, oh, is this even worth it? Stop doing that to yourself. Like go do something that feels exciting to you, that feels encouraging. Um, you know, if your goal is to climb a mountain or something, then like set a height goal uh, the next time you go do a climb or whatever. Um, and once you accomplish that, you're like, whoa, I'm measurably closer to my goal than I was before. And it doesn't have to be strength goal or anything like that either. It could be something, just anything that motivates you to keep going and that you're excited to keep doing. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to have that excitement, to have something that you really care about mm -hmm. and just uh, have your goals align with what you actually want, not what other people want right. for you, not what you think you should be wanting from your fitness journey, right. but things that you legitimately want to accomplish right. and building your goals around right. that. And that's why a good coach will ask you, what do you care about first? Because you, I could tell you what's going to work for you like to get the look you want. But how am I going to make it enjoyable for you is more about what you care about and what feels encouraging to you. Totally. And I think it's also really important to understand that the some of the power to having measurable goals is that it generates measurable results and progress. And that can show you that things are working even mm. when it doesn't feel like it. Right. So if you're you kind of touched on this earlier, but mm. if you're just kind of going through the motions and and just looking at things from day to day, like you're not making much progress. And mm -hmm. if you don't take time to zoom out and really look at all the progress kind of that you've been tracking over the last few weeks or months, mm -hmm. then you're probably going to get really uh, kind of demoralized. It's yeah. going to be a real struggle to continue pushing forward. Yeah, because every, every single one of us goes through a period of time where we're not feeling particularly motivated to go work out or it doesn't sound like fun or, you know, I don't really want to track my food today, um, whatever. But when you think about things in terms of like a big picture, like you just said, like I am, I am also measurably, every time I do this, I'm measurably improving and I don't want to give up on this. That's when you have that trust in the process. It's not just trusting the process blindly and saying, this is probably good for me. I don't really know though. 
Um, that's the difference between that and saying, I am actually measurably doing this like month after month. I've noticed an increase in this metric that I've set for myself. And so it's worth it to me to keep doing it, even though it's a little uncomfortable in some days. Yeah. So if you have some endurance goals, like set set the goal of taking, I don't know, 30 seconds off your 5k or whatever your exact goals are. If you have strength based goals, I think those are also really valuable as we talked about Mm -hmm. and set the goal of increasing your squat by 10 pounds over Mm -hmm. the next month or just figure out what those numbers look like for you and then allow Mm -hmm. that to kind of be the foundation of why you train and why you eat. You're eating to fuel your body, not as some kind of punishment. And you're also training to live life. You're not training to just accomplish a certain number on the scale or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So for people who set too high of expectations for themselves, what kind of guidance do you generally give them? Um, it's really just to set smaller, more measurable goals. And like, like we were saying, it should be something that excites you. And it's right on the edge of being like too ambitious, but it's still something that you know is humanly possible for you because you're like, well, I've seen some progress over, you know, everybody's had a, a health kick before where they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I used to be able to do, you know, 10 squats. Now I can only get six or whatever. Cause I stopped doing it. Well, you could be like, all right, well now I'm going to try to do 15 or something. It feels a little scary. You know, maybe it's just body weight at that point, but you're like, once you can do it, you're like, oh, that actually worked. And this is farther than I've ever been. You know what I mean? And so then you set another one, you keep moving the goalposts. That's why there's so many people you can, you can take a, somebody who's really successful in fitness and uh, somebody else is really successful and they could have totally different mindsets. They could be really happy or really disappointed. And it depends on who they're comparing themselves to and how high they're setting their goals. Because if they're, chances are, if they're comparing themselves to the um, on, to people on the Olympia stage and they're nowhere near that, they're going to be pretty miserable. Um, but if they're somebody who's comparing themselves to their past self and they're saying, this is more than I've ever been able to do, or this is better than I've ever been, that's pretty encouraging. Um just right there. So yeah, if you make fitness a you versus you journey, Mm -hmm. that's when I think you have a much healthier Mm -hmm. mindset around training and nutrition when it's you versus other people. Um, in certain situations that can be beneficial. Like if you're Mm -hmm. an elite bodybuilder and you have to go up and compete Mm -hmm. against the other top guys in the world, obviously, yeah, you need to be doing some comparisons there. But I think for most people, that's not really a helpful way of analyzing things. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not stepping on stage, don't, don't do that to yourself because it can feel like, oh, I'm just, you know, I need to compare myself to the best of the best because that's how I'm going to get there. And that's how I'm going to, um, not give myself any excuses and whatever, but you're really just shortchanging yourself because it's going to be really, really hard to stay motivated when you're nowhere near that stuff, especially if you're not willing to do performance enhancing drugs and make all the sacrifices that those professionals are doing. Um, if you're not doing that stuff, there's no reason you should be holding yourself to that standard. It's just not fair. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about kind of realistic rates of fat loss and muscle muscle growth. I think this is helpful, even though you can you can be looking at other metrics and we really encourage you to be doing that, focusing on how your strength is progressing in the gym, focus on how your physique is feeling, focus on how your uh, 5k time is decreasing or whatever these other things are. But just to give you some idea, especially if you're just getting started in fitness, when I first got started, I had no idea really what was possible for mm-hmm. me, especially those first few years. And I was like, okay, well, I'm gaining some muscle. Is this, am I 
gaining muscle fast enough? Should I be doing mm-hmm. other stuff better? It's like yeah. just because you're making forward progress might not necessarily be. I mean, that's that's awesome. But mm-hmm. I, I think getting some understanding of where you're at in terms of what you should be expecting is really helpful. Totally. So generally for fat loss, we recommend that you uh, focus on losing about half a percent to one percent of your body weight per week. That's a very kind of reasonable metric. And if you are below half a percent of your body weight per week, that means that the whole fat loss process is going to take longer. That's totally okay. But generally, we have found that people, um, our clients feel best between half a percent to one percent of your body weight per week. If you are above one percent per week and you feel like that's really sustainable and you feel like this is uh, if you feel like you're in a good place with your nutrition and your mindset, then it's okay to be a little bit faster than that with mm-hmm. your, with your fat loss progress. Yeah. But well, faster isn't always better. Right. And it, and it depends on too, how much body fat you have currently, because if you have a lot exactly. more, it's going to be a lot easier to lose more at first, but it's like the law of diminishing returns. The less body fat you have, the harder it's going to be to whittle that down, especially because your body likes to have some. Um, so just think about, you know, somebody who has a lot of body fat versus somebody who's a physique competitor, you're gonna have to have very different levels of effort put into that to, to yeah. lose. Yes, pound. that's true. Yeah. But generally speaking, half a percent to 1% of your body weight per week, that's a reasonable kind of target to be shooting for. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's 200 pounds, that would be one to two pounds per week of fat loss that you're aiming for. And it's also really important to keep in mind that fat loss is not linear. So maybe there's a week where you lose half a pound and you're getting kind of frustrated because you're doing everything right and your target is one and a half pounds and you're only a third of the way there. But then the next week you lose uh, two and a half pounds and then boom, you're right back to like over those two weeks of uh, two week time frame, you've lost three pounds mm-hmm. and then you're right on track with your one and a half pound goal per week of fat loss. So mm-hmm. fat loss is not always linear. So keep that in mind. And there's a lot of ways that your body can mask fat loss, uh, particularly with your body's water balance. Water. So yeah. that's something else to kind of keep in mind. When it comes to muscle growth, there are kind of a few targets that I would recommend and just kind of generally uh, just share. The first for beginners, um, this is for beginners who are kind of in their first year of proper nutrition and training. Um, If you are on a slight caloric surplus and you're focusing on progressive overload, which are extremely important for actually accomplishing your muscle growth goals uh, as efficiently as possible, then you can be aiming for about one to one and a half percent of your body weight per month. So that's something that you can focus on as a goal to be increasing. And for men, um, over the course of a year that generally in their first year of training ends up being 15 to 25 pounds of muscle. And for women, that's about eight to 12 pounds of muscle in their first year of training. Yeah. The first year is so much fun. It's Uh, yeah. (laughs) Once you have your nutrition dialed in, your training dialed in, that's actually lots of people get into fitness and just kind of want to feel it out Mm -hmm. uh, on their own. And that's perfectly okay. That's how I did it. But if I could go back, the first thing, the very first thing that I would do is I would get a coach. Yeah. Because there is just so much potential that you can get, especially over those first few years. And And, I really just would want to get all of the uh, benefits there. Right, and you have somebody who's putting that in reference to you, like like saying, look, you are gaining so much muscle right now. This is the most muscle you're gonna gain ever in your life. Enjoy it. Because when I started, I was like, you think that that's gonna continue forever. 
You know what I mean? You have no way of knowing if this is going to slow down or not, you know? So that's, that can be demoralizing too. If you're like, it's year three and I didn't gain as much as I did year one. Well, yeah, yeah duh. But you didn't, nobody told you that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. we're going to tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, let's tell so you. <laughs> if, uh, if you're kind of an immediate uh, lifter, intermediate lifter with about one to two years of proper nutrition and training under your belt, then you can expect to gain about half a percent to 0.75% of your body weight per month. Uh, in terms of lean muscle mass gains. So for men, this is about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in their second year of proper nutrition and training. And for women, it generally ends up being about four to six pounds of muscle. And then for advanced uh, weightlifters, these are all numbers for natural weightlifters, by the way. So um, assuming you're not taking drugs, this is kind of what you can expect. So for advanced lifters with three plus years of proper nutrition and training experience, you can expect to gain about 0.25% to 0.375% of your body weight per month. So it, uh, it really takes years of persistent effort after you get uh, beyond kind of that three-year mark of proper nutrition and training to be yeah. seeing results. The, the uh, physical gains come slowly. Even the strength gains can come pretty slowly. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of part of the journey. And I have shifted more of my focus on kind of continuing to just build the the habit of consistency mm -hmm. with my with my training and also kind of the mental gains that mm -hmm. you get from training i've yeah. focused uh i've shifted my focus from trying to capture as much physical progress as possible to how can i get as much mentally as possible from this training right. and using that as a constant using training as a way to consistently kind of hone my sharpen my mind mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good advice and i think you know, it, it's going to be really different for everybody because sometimes you might start lifting, but your nutrition is off track or, you know, your nutrition's on point, but you maybe you're not training enough or, or too much. And so that can, that can throw off these numbers quite a bit too. But that's another reason to have somebody who knows what they're talking about uh, kind of guiding you because they can give you the most important principles and just set those in stone so that you know those are being accomplished year over year and you're getting the most out of those years. Exactly. Yeah. So just like fat loss, muscle, muscle gain is not linear, especially after that first year of dedicated training. So over the entire course of your lifting career as a natural lifter, uh, you can expect men can expect to gain somewhere on the order of 40 to 50 pounds of muscle over, um, kind of their lifespan of, uh, training and women can gain somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds of muscle over their lifting career. So I'm kind of at the point where I'm genetically maxed out in mm -hmm. terms of the kind of, uh, physique that I can build and, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm still getting to the gym. I'm still trying to focus on increasing strength numbers. Mm -hmm. And you can, uh, you can, you can gain strength and not be gaining muscle necessarily, depending mm -hmm. on how your form is and and uh, and the intensity you're bringing and stuff. But I'm just focusing more on kind of the mental gains that mm -hmm. I can get out of the gym, and I found that to be really helpful. That's cool. So, how do you know when you need to make adjustments to your plan? So, when people plateau. Uh, that's when they typically want to make, uh, adjustments. And when I say plateau, I mean like for several weeks on end, they're not seeing changes. You don't need, you don't want to be too aggressive because then you can start to accumulate a lot of negatives. Um, like we said, fat loss is not linear. Muscle gain is not linear. And so if you're just getting too antsy about things and you change things too quickly, you might start to experience, uh, some real negatives. Like for instance, when I first started trying to gain muscle 
Um, actually when I first went vegan, I was really paranoid about losing muscle because all the things you hear. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to really overdo it with the caloric surplus. And I ate like 4,400 calories or something a day. And yeah, I gained some fat because that was not going to work. It was just way too many calories and I was being too paranoid. So yeah, kind of tempering yourself and your, your emotion and being like, okay, I'm going to set, um, when I see it, when I see a plateau, like for instance, if the scale doesn't budge for like two or three weeks, that's when I'll subtract some calories. And you can be as gentle as you want about that. Usually for me, it's like if I don't see decreases in the scale when I'm cutting for about three weeks, I'll go down like 100 calories. I'm trying to be very, very not aggressive because I'm trying to preserve as much lean muscle mass as I can. Um, so that's that's my way of doing things. I think people think that they are hitting a plateau before they actually truly hit a plateau. Mm -hmm. Like it might be two days and the scale hasn't moved <laughs> and then they're like, oh man, I'm plateaued yeah. or something. So I think it's really important to understand that you need to be looking at multiple weeks mm -hmm. and not seeing the scale move for multiple weeks can be an indication of you being in a plateau. Right. And, and looking at the other side of things, which is like, I am very close to my caloric maintenance level right now. That is a great thing because what that means is if your weight isn't changing that much and you know exactly like kind of where your maintenance is now, now you can make better decisions going forward. You don't need to be too aggressive to, to lose fat. You know, you can just set it a couple hundred calories down and start to see it. A drop. Um, and that's what's going to give you the best results in terms of still having the energy and strength to go crush it in the gym and then not feel like crap after a while when you've been cutting for a long time. You know, it's just like more sustainable the closer you are to your caloric maintenance level. And that's in either direction. Yeah, exactly. So why is taking a science-based approach so important to your fitness journey? Oh man, because it's so emotional. This is such a personal journey where you're like, looking at yourself in the mirror, judging yourself all the time, asking questions of yourself. And it can be a really, it's a honestly a really rewarding thing, but it can also be something that is really hard to keep, keep like level headed about. Because if you have a day, for instance, where somebody makes a comment in your body that made you feel insecure, or you see a picture of yourself that you really don't love. Um, I've done that before where I literally saw a picture of myself and I was like, I'm doing a cut. That's it. And I get more aggressive than I need to be, you know, too, too emotional. And so tempering yourself with, with a science-based approach and a measured rationale behind it is what's going to prevent you from doing stuff that's going to make you fall off the bandwagon because you've just gone too far in one direction or the other. Yeah, that's really important. And also understanding that it really is kind of a science experiment mm -hmm. going through this process. Yeah. And the more that you can be kind of a scientist mm -hmm. or hire a coach who can kind of be your scientist. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be really helpful because then you can isolate particular variables. You can know how to make tweaks when you're not mm -hmm. seeing progress. Yeah. You can know how your body is responding to training and nutrition, and you can actually have hard evidence to right. show you the path forward right. instead of just kind of guessing or saying, oh, I feel kind of bloated today. Like I just need to cut out that a bunch is, more calories. That is so much of, of coaching is like being able to talk to somebody about how they're feeling in a particular mood or something happened to them that made them feel emotional. And then you say, hey, look, you're doing great. You're on this track or whatever. Or hey, yeah, you're right. We should, we should move in this direction, but we're not going to go that intense. You know what I mean? Like knowing how to talk to people and, and get them out of that is so important. And the science behind it is what's going to convince them of it and bring them back to reality every time, because it's so hard to keep a level head about how you feel about yourself. 
Yeah. And it's totally normal. Like that's yeah. something that, <laughs> that I've gone through. That's something that you have gone through. Absolutely. And it's it's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to separate yourself from that kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. But the more you just solidify your approach in science and actually track your progress in a very kind of scientific measurable way Mm -hmm. that's going to provide you with the blueprint for success you will see results you will see the progress that you Mm -hmm. want to see if you are tracking in that way it might Mm -hmm. not be as quick as you want to see it but it's going to happen eventually if Mm -hmm. you are really taking that science-based approach right so there are so much there's so much kind of bs in the fitness industry and these Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations and stuff so it's really important to actually take a scientific approach to mm-hmm. um, just kind of uh, keep a level head about it and just mm-hmm. be kind of rational and logical in how you are mm-hmm. um, kind of going through that process. And if you feel like you're really struggling with that, that's a good indication that uh, you'd probably really benefit from having a coach. Um, right. As I mentioned earlier, like that's probably like the first thing that I would have done in getting in kind of restarting my fitness journey if I had that mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. Cause well, cause something you said right there where you're like, you know, every, every, it seems like every outlet that's trying to market something to you is telling you something like you're doing it all wrong. You've done something wrong your whole life. You need to totally flip that on its head. And so if you don't know the science behind it, whether that's bull crap or not, you might be tempted to think, Oh my God, I, I could have made so much more progress if I listen to this earlier and then you do that constantly and keep changing the thing, you know, changing the blueprint on yourself, you're going to stay stuck or you're going to be disappointed with the results because they're just trying to sell you something. Uh, whereas somebody who's saying, Hey, it's going to be hard, but these are the measurable things and it's kind of boring seeming like science doesn't seem that fun. If, you know, it's in a controlled Depends setting. who you are. Yeah, no, it's true. That's true. <laughs> I totally geek out over science. <laughs> it's true. It's less fun than marketing to a lot of people. And so it's, uh, you know, it, it, it could be uh, kind of um, shocking to how long it's going to take or whatever it is that's not as exciting. That's another thing. They'll be like, 90 days, whatever. And you're like, no, that's yeah. not how it works. It's a really good way to start your journey. Yeah, and you can really, you can get a lot of progress in a couple months. Yeah. But uh, as far as like cultivating a long-term kind of uh, uh, approach, like mm-hmm. that's really where you need to be. You need to commit to the long-term and really do what you need to do to find a long-term sustainable solution that actually mm-hmm. works for you and your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So totally. awesome. Really appreciate your time today. Do you have any other thoughts to share with the audience? Oh, man, I wish I could just spend all day talking to everybody, but I think this is a good summation about how we feel about the subject. I think, uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it and hopefully, I mean, like I was just saying, I think, 10 years, 15 years ago, when I first started really seriously lifting, if I had listened to this podcast, I think I would have had a very different journey. I think I would have been more assured that I was doing the right stuff and, and stop freaking out so much. Yeah. Yeah. Just trust the process, trust science, trust the process. Yeah. Understand that if you're putting in the effort, you're tracking your progress, it Mm -hmm. might not be happening as quickly as you want it to, but it will happen and just be be comfortable in knowing that the results will come if the effort is there. Right. And and understand the process and then trust it. Because if you're just blindly trusting anything, you're going to get pretty demoralized as like the more marketing things blow up in your face or whatever. You know what I mean? You'll be like, ah, fitness just isn't for me. My body just doesn't change that way or whatever. And you convince yourself that you can't do it. But if you take a scientific approach and you have somebody who's very knowledgeable and kind of teaches you the things that matter, 
then you trust it because then you're like, okay, I can see measurable progress and it's, it's really changing my life. It's not as, not as rapid as I was promised in these marketing things, but that's just the reality of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Sawyer, really appreciate your time. Thanks Absolutely. so much for having this conversation. And, uh, Sawyer, myself, the rest of our team, we're all on a mission to help vegans get into the best shape of their lives because we firmly believe that the more healthy and fit vegans there are in the world, the faster veganism will spread. It's something that we're really passionate about. That's our mission. If you want to learn more about kind of that journey we're on or you want to learn more about Sawyer, uh, you can head over to theveganjim.com. But hope that you got a ton of value from this episode. And until next time, keep challenging the freaking status quo. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode. To take the next step in your vegan fitness journey and get access to all our best content for free, check out theveganjim.com. We'll teach you everything you need to know to torch body fat, break through plateaus, build lean vegan muscle, and supercharge your health. Get started right now at theveganjim.com. Until next time, peace, love, and gains.